could identify with someone else and have your relationship with God through somebody else. No, you're a believer. You're a child of God, and you have a right to God, and God is living on the inside of you, and you brought him in here with you when you came. And how many know your own personal relationship with God is more important than anything else? Can I get an amen? It's important to have leaders. It's important to have uh, people like that in the body of Christ. That's wonderful. But never identify with a leader, right? And I'll take it a step further. Also, don't identify with a church. I've been very careful to not try to get people to identify with this church. Um, because how many know that the kingdom of God is bigger than a church? Can't get an amen. And so you don't want to identify with a church. You don't want to identify with a leader. And you also don't want to identify with a revelation. Because if you identify with a specific revelation, then what ends up happening is, is you're, you, you get pigeonholed into a portion of the Reformation, but then you end up in the ditch on the other side. For example, I used to refer, I'm a faith person, I'm a faith person, I'm a faith person, right? And so we only wanted to hear about stuff about faith, and we'll hear anything else, right? And so that was cool for a season when God was bringing some balance, but if the only thing that you focus on is one revelation, how I many you're eventually going to end up in error? I mean, just are. Because the, the Word of God is many revelations altogether, and ultimately this revelation is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, you know, we have a relationship with a person, not with a revelation or a doctrine or a teaching, right? And so then we, we, were, in, we were in faith hardcore, and then faith got extremely legalistic. And um, it became about us really... Uh, trying to uh, twist God's arm and trying to, uh, he escaped, and try to, he's like, he's like Houdini, he's like, I'm back. Um, and, and what ended up happening was it actually, be, it wasn't actually faith, it turned into us trying to control God. See, you will never be good enough or full of faith enough to get God to obey you and bless you and, and what legalism is, in all the many forms that it comes, is it's an attempt to be good enough to control God. And, um, and so, you know, we were taught faith until like it was coming out of our ears, but we actually didn't have faith because we didn't have an understanding of grace. <clears throat> and without an understanding of grace, you're not going to have faith. It will start out okay, good, but it will eventually turn into legalism. We were always just trying to prove to God that we believed Him. And... When, when I'm trying to earn something from God, it's no longer faith. It actually becomes a legalism, becomes a work. And how many know that all the promises in Him are yes and amen? All the things that come from God is not something that you earn. It's not something that you deserve. How many know it's a gift? It's just a gift. And it's actually not about us at all. It's actually all about Jesus. But we had gotten so focused on faith that we became very focused on ourselves, very focused on our faith, and we were always sitting in all these services trying to build up our faith, and our identity was in the message of faith, right? And things got really weird, and they got really off. And prosperity got really, really off because it became all about money, it became all about giving preachers money, <clears throat> and it became greedy, and, and, and it became just really gross, honestly. And, uh, and, but the prosperity is an important revelation to have. How many of God wants you to have things? Come on, give me an amen to that. A good dad takes care of his kids. God wants to take, God wants to take care of you. He wants to take care of your needs. He's not trying to... Uh, there's no place in Scripture where, being, uh, where poverty is something that comes from God. No, God wants you to have things. When God created the Garden of Eden, how many of there was plenty of stuff in the Garden of Eden? How many of on this planet, there's plenty of supply? 
I, I, did, I read a study one time, if, if they, they, they broke up all the wealth equally, every man, woman, and child would have $10 million. So it's not like there's not enough stuff, they're just greedy people, right? So anyway, that was an important revelation to the body of Christ because the enemy had sold the body of Christ that, um, that, being, that, that poverty was from God and, and that if they wanted to have things and that was a bad thing. None of that stuff lines up with Scripture. But it got really out of whack and it actually turned into like this money scheme and, and it was just, it was gross and it, and it became all about money. How many know that if, if love of money is in you that you'll be pierced through with many sorrows? And I saw that happen to many leaders. I saw that happen to many preachers. They kind of lost themselves. They became casualties in that revelation and, or in that reformation. I don't fault them individually because the enemy is always trying to hurt and harm people. Um, I, they just became casualties of warfare in, in bringing a reformation back to the body of Christ. And so then I started getting a hold of grace. And so I heard the message of grace, you know, and, and started, you know, getting an awareness of grace. I found out God loved me, found out I was forgiven, found out it was all finished. And it was just like, and what was happening was we were in a ditch over here, and then we started hearing grace, and then we started coming out of that ditch. And then, like, I had, we had, like, this season of, of real, like, life and real vitality, and um, there was this place of just balance, and it was good, but we, that, we did the same thing that we did with everything else. We started to identify with grace. Well, I'm a grace person. Well, I'm a faith person. Well, I'm a grace person, you know, and that's not scriptural. There's no such thing as a faith person or a grace person. There are Jesus people, right? And so, um, and so now I feel like God is in the midst of bringing us back to a place of balance because the reality is, is faith don't work without grace, and grace don't work without faith. We actually need them both. And so I feel like we're on the verge of a new wave coming. And I feel like it's a, there's an overlapping of the, maybe the message of faith and the message of grace. And then we already had the gifts of the Spirit and stuff restored in the 70s. And so now like I feel like we're primed in the body of Christ for great and mighty things to actually happen. And um, we just what we what we don't want to do is we don't want to identify with one revelation, and then we also don't want to throw away the good things that we've learned in the past. Can I get an amen? Don't start all over. Like 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 take the good things that you learned from people that were in the past. I mean, we're standing on the shoulders of other people. But at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to take all this stuff and put it together so that it works properly. Can I get an amen? Right. And so, First John chapter five. If you guys want to turn there. And um, I feel like God is now beginning to highlight um, faith again because, be, because we have this groundwork of grace. And, and, and what, what grace will help you to understand is that grace is always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're never going to you're never going to outsend the grace of God. You're never going to outfail the grace of God. Grace abounds towards your place of weakness. So anytime you're weak, there's an outstretched hand of grace um, to rescue you and to help you and to be there for you, right? And so I just want to give kind of like an object lesson for a minute. I'll use Stephanie. And so, um, and she's a ham, so don't be a ham. And um, just kidding. Lift, we'll act like Stephanie's falling on the ground. Will you sit your phone down for a second? We'll act like she's falling on the ground when you lift your hand up. When you lift your hand up towards my hand like you need help. This one. 
Okay, cool. No, just keep her right here. It's good. No, 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 no. See, she's a ham. I knew I picked the wrong person, but it's all good. But like, all right, grace is like this. There's always God's supply to you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God is ready to lift you up and to help you and to make you strong. There's never a time when your sin is stronger than grace. There's never a time when your failure is stronger than grace. There's never a time when your sin somehow short-circuits the cross that happened 2,000 years ago. Now, your sin will jack you up and will mess you up. And there's definite repercussions for sin. And there are people who have died before they should have because sin brings death. It'll kill a relationship. It'll kill finances. It'll kill peace of mind. It'll kill people physically. So sin is bad. But anytime you fail, anytime you fall short... God's grace superabounds towards you, listen to me, in your place of weakness. It comes to your place of weakness, not your place of strength. And what grace is, is it's God's invitation to operate in His strength and in His ability. And one of the things that we probably need to, to realize a little bit more is the way transformation and change happens in your life is through the grace of God. Grace is just exchanging your strength for His strength. So Christianity is not trying really hard and working really hard and willpower in your way and trying and trying and trying and doing and doing and doing and uh, 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 and gritting your teeth and all that stuff. Actually, it's actually not. It's a surrender. If you're operating in a place of failure, it's probably in that place that you're operating in your strength. And God is asking you to exchange your strength for His strength. So when, so when someone has fallen, the outstretched hand of Jesus is presented to every single... Come on, don't ham on me. I'm trying to teach. The outstretched hand of Jesus is presented to every single person 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Can I get an amen? That never changes. That is a constant reality in this age. But in order for her to receive it, how many know she's got to reach out and take the hand? Take my hand. That's faith. That's faith. Faith takes... What's already been provided. Faith takes what's already been provided. And if faith takes it. See that word for receive, thank you. That word for receive in the Greek is the word lambano, and it's not a passing receiving. It's not a passive receiving. You take, you take it. Like for example, no one is going to passively eat a taco today. I'm not going to just walk by the taco bar and a taco's just going to leap up and land in my mouth. That'd be cool if we could do that, but that's not going to happen. Jeremiah Johnson will go back there and will make a taco. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to put the meat in. I'm going to put the cheese in. I'm drooling just a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to do all the stuff, and then I'm going to take the taco, and I'm going to shove it into my mouth. It's not going to get there by accident. I've got to receive what's already been provided. So all the food is back there. All the food has been provided. It's ready to rock. But how many know that you could be sitting in an abundance of grace and not receiving it? You could be sitting in an abundance of tacos and not be eating them. How many know, let's say, and this is not going to happen, but let's say that we all get, we finish up and we get ready to, you know, to, go, to eat and do picnic and, and volleyball and all that type of stuff, and I just sit over here in the corner. And I'm not going to eat a taco. I'm like, aren't you going to eat? No, I just, I don't feel worthy. 
to eat the tacos. I didn't pay for the tacos. I didn't do anything for the tacos. I don't feel worthy. No, 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 I am not going to eat the tacos. I mean, you know, people will, will forsake grace for a pity party. And they want attention more than they want help. And that was strong. But like sometimes you need a little strong truth to wake you up. If you're failing in an area, if I'm failing in an area, I'm not receiving grace in that area. The area, the grace is there. It's on the table. You know, when Paul was going through what he was going through, and he was like praying to God, he's like, Lord, what's up? You know, take, take this away, take this away, take this away. He said, look, my grace is sufficient for you. Rise up and eat. Rise up and eat. Take what I've given to you. And so then after that, he realized his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Your weakest moment are the times when you are most ready to receive grace. Not your, not your times of strength. It's your times of weakness. So what's cool is, as people who are the righteousness of God, who've been purged of all sin, and who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are never disqualified from everything that God has because it's all by grace. But if you disqualify yourself and feel like you are unworthy and you're not able and you won't sit down at the table and eat, God can't do anything for you. He needs you to believe that it's yours. What if so you come up to someone and they're sitting over there and they won't eat and they won't eat and you come up and you're like, look, won't you eat? No, no, no. Why don't you come on, come on, just eat, just eat. I mean, you know, no amount of imploring can make them eat. They must rise up and take it. They have to receive it. And so what the cross is supplied for you and what the ever-present abundance of grace in the earth is supplied for you is victory over everything. There's nothing that should be able to keep a hold on you. Not sin, not depression, not failure, not poverty, not lack, not sickness. Nothing has a right to overcome you. Now, there may be seasons when you feel overcome. There may be seasons when you are overcome. There may be seasons when you're walking through a valley and you have an addiction. And you're dealing with sin. And you're dealing with temptation. And you're dealing with sickness or whatever. Whatever type of battle or poverty or lack or whatever. But the provision is there for you to be free. But it's... It, it's our part to take it. Now, that does not mean that now you got to try harder and now you got to do more and now you got to uh, and you got to grit your teeth. It's, I'm not saying any of those things. All you have to do is surrender. Surrender. It's a surrender. Our victory is by surrender. First John chapter five and verse four it says, "Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world." Our faith. So, how many of God has called everybody in this room to overcome? You're called to be a more than a conqueror, right? You're called to, to, for nothing to control you. Man, if there's one thing I love, it's freedom. I love sin not having control over me. Like, I love it. It's great. I spent, I be, I spent most of my life in bondage to sin. Even as a Christian, even as a pastor. I spent most of my life sin, sin just dominating me. But I'm free now. I'm totally free. I don't have any 
There's no, it has no foothold on me. And it's not because I'm strong. In fact, I think I'm probably the weakest person in the room. Like my greatest asset is my weakness. Because if I can't do anything without God, if I can't even tie my shoes without God, then like I'm primed to be strong. <laughs> because I can't do anything in my own strength. And so... I love not being in bondage. And it's not because I'm strong or I have great willpower. It's because of the Lord. Okay, get an amen. And I want to tell you something else. Just because you've struggled with something for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, never think this is, this is a way of life for you. It's extremely important. Because if you embrace a weakness as your identity, then you won't never change. You must embrace Jesus as your identity. Can I get an amen? Because I, I had some areas in my life that I got set free from pretty quick. You know, I'm, I'm really not that quick, but, I, but quicker. And then I had some areas that I struggled in for years. And, and so never think that God doesn't have more freedom for you and God doesn't have a rescue for you. Never think you can't change. Ask yourself this, this area that you're struggling in, does it look like Jesus? If it don't look like Jesus, it's not yours. If it don't look like Jesus, because your calling is to be conformed into His image. Can I get an amen? And I had some areas in my life that did not look like Jesus. Impatience was something I used to really struggle with. I was very impatient. Listen, if you are impatient, you, can't you cannot enjoy your life. I don't care what you have going on in your life. If you are impatient, you will be in a constant state of mild misery. Mild misery. Just enough to tolerate it. Because if you're always like, wait, uh, 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 you go through your whole day like that. I mean, come on now. I mean, I was that guy. And, here, and, and God began to minister to me. That may have been who I am in the flesh, but that's not who I am in Christ. How many of you know Jesus is patient? How many of you know fruit of the Spirit is patience? And man, as I began to stop, this is key, stop identifying with it. Stop saying that's who I am. And begin to embrace the Lord and let some hard truths come to me. How many of you know the Scripture will correct your false identity? Let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect, complete, and entire, wanting for nothing. That is a correction, and it's a correction, it's an identity correction, because the reality is, is how many of you have the fruit of the Spirit, you have Christ in you, and if there's an area where that fruit is not flowing in your life, it's in that area where you're embracing a false identity, right? You may come from an impatient family, you may come from an angry family, people identify with anger, well, I'm just mad, and, and you've used anger as a way to get your way. Anything you do to manipulate and control people is not of God. If you're using anger to manipulate and control people, that's not the way the kingdom operates. If you're using pouting as a way to manipulate and control people, that's not how the kingdom operates. That's a coping mechanism. Any part of you that wants to control other people through your own emotions is witchcraft. You are not called to control people. You're actually called to bring people into greater levels of freedom. That's what love brings is freedom. God doesn't try to control you. Does He? 
He doesn't. Like, he gives you freedom. That's the reason the whole thing is happening out here the way it's happening, because we've been given freedom. And so a lot of us, because we've been hurt, because we've been harmed, because we've been abused, because we've been hurt emotionally, we have all these coping mechanisms that we use, and then we just say it's a part of our personality. Well, that's just who I am. Well, you're lying against the truth if you're Christ. Stop identifying with things that are not producing life in you and in your family. And face some truth that you're, and let the Word of God come in and make corrections on the way you see yourself. I am a more, I am patient now. And you know what? I, I like everybody more. <laughs> like I do, like I, li- I like my kids more. I've always loved my children. Everybody knows I love to be a dad. But when you're an impatient person, it's hard to enjoy the people around you. And so now, man, it's like, you know, and God's brought his patience in me. I enjoy driving more. I enjoy everything more because I can now live in the moment. I don't have to live in tomorrow. If I stay planted in tomorrow when I'm living in the right now, I never live my life. Rawr. I hate that stuff. And how many of you know that's a development? How many of you know there's grace to be patient? How many of you there's grace to overlook an offense? You don't have to live your life mad at everybody. You can overlook an offense. You can cover a multitude of transgression. Can I get an amen? You can. And no one should have the right to take your peace from you. My Lord, when you start operating in peace, everything gets better. Everything. Peace when I'm in the marketplace. Peace when I'm at my son's soccer games. Seriously, big deal for Jeremy. Big deal for me, all right? Because I love my son so much that I want to beat anybody up that messes with him. <laughs> and that's like flesh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's nothing wrong with like loving your kid and wanting to protect them. But how I many you can do something in the flesh and you can do something in the spirit? Amen. Anyway, I have not yelled at one ref this year. Hello, my name is Jeremiah. I, I, I was a ref yeller. <laughs> I have not yelled at one ref. I have watched all his games and maintained peace. And you know what? I'm, I am a better witness in the earth. <laughs> I'm not the pastor over screaming and yelling at the refs, you know, like forsaking my, my sanctification and all that type of stuff. Come on now. I mean, come on. Yeah, but development has happened, right? And so you know what? Now I'm maintaining peace, and now I can enjoy it more. You know what else can't take my peace from me? The government. The government can't take peace from me. I'm not going to allow the government to have the ability to steal my peace. Let's all say that together. Are you all ready? <laughs> Everybody's like, no, we're pissed off about the government. We want to stay that way. I'm not saying that we don't take a stand for truth, but how many know you can stand for truth in a place of peace and rest and trust in the Lord rather than being wigged out about what everybody's doing? (laughs) Come on. God's created you to live in peace. He's he's placed His righteousness in you to give you... How many know you have peace with God? And God wants you to live in peace 
anything that can get you stressed out is showing that, that you, you don't trust God in that area. If your finances get you stressed out, you don't trust God in that area. If your kids get you stressed out, you don't trust God in that area. If your health gets you stressed out, you don't trust God in that area. Whatever areas you have faith in, you have rest in. It's the truth. And if you don't have rest in an area, you need to labor to enter into rest in that area through the promises of God that are yes and amen because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You hear the truth. You hear the truth. The primary labor is hearing the gospel. That's the primary label, labor, is you need to hear that you're the righteousness of God in Christ and that the cross was a success. That's the number one thing you need to do. I say, you're, you're, you're not, Christianity is not the acquisition of knowledge and information and Bible trivia skill. It's feeding on Jesus Christ. And so when you hear the gospel preached, you are unplugging your self-righteousness or your trust in your ability to make yourself right with God, you're unplugging it from you and you're plugging it totally in the cross, totally in Jesus. Okay, get an amen. Because the reason that you don't, the, the reason that faith is not working is, you, is, is in some way, way you're trusting in your own self-righteousness. Because the enemy is always trying to get you into work. Works righteousness voids faith. There is no faith where you're trying to earn your standing with God. I'm going to say that a couple more times. There's no faith when you're trying to earn your standing with God. There's no faith if you're trying to earn your standing with God. If you're trying to do something to make yourself right with God or keep yourself right with God, you will have no faith. Because you are not under grace. You're in legalism and you're trying to earn a wage rather than receive a gift. And so just because you can answer it on the test, am I right, am I right with God, yes or no, am I right with God, true or false, does not mean that it's in your heart and it's in your thoughts, in the way that you're thinking, in the way that you're living. Everybody in this room, myself included, we all could be more grounded in the grace of God and more established in the righteousness which is of faith. Everybody in here can. I've been preaching this thing for 20 plus years. I've written books about it. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. You've got to keep hearing it. You've got to keep having an encounter with Jesus as Savior. That's why Paul said, I come among you. I don't know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Because it's the most important thing. You cannot make yourself right with God. You cannot keep yourself right with God. And if the enemy can drag you down in the trenches of the warfare of your conduct, he will always kick your butt. Because he will always find an area that you're missing it in. And you may not. And see, and if you don't think you're missing it in any area, you are missing it in the primary area because you're self-righteous. And if you're self-righteous and you're caught up in moralism and you think you're better than other people, you will frustrate grace because God resists one group of people and that's the proud. Enemy does not want you enjoying the victory of the cross. And so he's always trying to drag you back into a battle between you and you. Not him, you. Did you do enough this week to feel like you're qualified to have your prayers answered? Did you do enough? Were you good enough? Did you pray enough? Did you do enough good deeds? Were you enough? No, none of us are enough. There's only one that's enough. It's Him. He is how we win. And we labor to enter into that rest 
Because you know God is going to move on your behalf because you are in Christ and you are right with God because Jesus is right with God. And all your sin has been taken away. And God is not rewarding you according to your perfect obedience. God is rewarding you according to Jesus' perfect obedience. Jesus' obedience has been set to your account as a believer. Jesus' righteousness has been given to you. You are now in Christ. Christ is in you. When God sees you, when you come in the name of Jesus, He sees no spot in you, no blemish in you. You come boldly to the throne of grace to attain help in time of need. It's all yours. It's all yours. That's why it's the gospel of peace. See, I'm preaching the gospel right now. And as I'm preaching the gospel, you know what's happening to you? Faith is rising up on the inside of you. Peace is rising up on the inside of you. Because I'm getting your attention and your focus off you. You are not your victory. I am not my victory. Jesus is our victory. Jesus is. Get your eyes on Him. Look at Him. Is He worthy to receive from the Father? He is. And as you take your sense of rightness off of you and place it onto Him, you have rest. You have rest and you have peace and then you have faith and then you can believe. And then when the government does something stupid, you don't lose sleep because you know in whom you have believed. You know who you trust in. The kingdoms of this world are going to pass away. The kings of the kingdoms are going to bow down. God don't play well with other gods. There is a kingdom that's going to last in eternity and we are in that kingdom right now. And that kingdom slowly moving and doing its stuff down here on the planet. But the day and age and time will come. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease. There'll be no poverty. There'll be no lack. There'll be no death. Everything you see, it's going to pass away. There's something that's eternal that's on the inside of you. So I encourage you to enjoy the ride. And you will only enjoy the ride if you believe. Belief will always bring you into a place of rest. All that God has is yours. Nobody's any better than, any, than, than anybody else. No one's better than you. Don't for a minute think just because I'm up here running my mouth with this mic that I'm somehow better than you. I'm just someone who has a gift that he did not earn, he did not deserve, that God gave, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist. God reached to the bottom of the barrel, picked me up, gave me a gift to serve people with and point people to Jesus. Never think a pastor or a minister is better than you. They have no more of a right to God than you. In fact, they'll have, they'll have to give an account of how they taught. And there's a greater judgment towards those that are teachers. Not in the sense of heaven and hell, but in the sense of reward. So don't let anyone try to convince you that you are less right with God than someone who's received Jesus. Can I get an amen? You are right with God. Now, everybody in here, you have different levels of trust in that, depending upon what you've been taught. If you spent a lot of time in legalism, it will be... If you spent a lot of time in legalism, what I can say could even offend you. But it's all right here in Scripture. You don't earn anything from God. It's all... Through His grace. It's an unmerited, unearned, undeserved gift. But you got to take it. Can I get an amen for taking it? And so, there's a peace and there's a rest that God wants to bring into all of our hearts. And I believe that in the future, there's a balancing of faith and grace 
to where these things can function the way they need to function and we can live the way we need to live. Because check it out, it's dark out there in the world. But I'm not scared. And you shouldn't be scared either. You should not be afraid of the price of gas or eggs or, 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 or wars or rumors of wars or, or COVID or flu or any of that bunch of crap. Okay, you're a part of something that is more powerful than that. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You've got the greater one that's on the inside of you. And God has called you, them that know their God will be strong and do exploits. God's called you to shine his light in the days ahead. Listen, you're not just trying to survive. That's the wrong attitude. We're not approaching this from I'm just going to survive mentality. I mean, oh, God's called you to overcome. Can I get an amen? Conquer. Win. See, God doesn't want you to just take care of you. He wants to take care of other people through you. Can I get an amen? In, in, in that 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, and I'll read it to you out of the Amplified, it says, Whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. So whatever you're facing right now that's a challenge to you, God wants to give you His strength to conquer it. To conquer it. Whether it be not yelling at a ref at a basketball game, or maintaining your peace when you drive, or not having anger have dominance over you, or it would be sickness or a disease or insecurity or anxiety or sin trying to dominate your life. Whatever it is, it does not have a right. It doesn't have a right. None of it has a right. And God's called you to overcome it. God's called you to overcome it. And there are times when you may overcome something like this, and there are times when you're going through something and God is developing something on the inside of you. See, I didn't overcome not yelling at refs because all the refs acted right. I, come on now. I overcame not yelling at refs because I conquered within me a sense of Injustice and anger and loss of control of my emotions. Some, I mean, you know, sometimes conquering what's conquering your flesh is a greater victory than what's on the outside of you. How I many you know, you're going to be in situations and circumstances when people don't change? You ever been under a boss that didn't change? You ever been in a family that didn't change? Don't say amen to that, your family's here. Friends didn't change. Something didn't change. But how many know that God can give you victory before you see it on the outside because the victory is on the inside of you? Amen. And we're called to overcome. We're called to conquer. We're called to win. Amen. But, all, but it happens through believing. It happens through believing. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll close right here with this. Whatever you don't have rest in is a place where you're not trusting God. It is. It is. So make sure, first thing you need to tweak is make sure your righteousness is established. 
right? See, a lot of times when people have an area of their life that they have a lot of guilt in, they don't, they don't feel like they can trust God in that area. Maybe like your kids. Mess this up with my kids, mess that up with my kids, so I've got a lot of guilt in that area, so I feel like I've got to fix it. Whatever area there's a lot of guilt in, it's in that area where a lot of times we'll try to do things in our own strength. So the first thing you got to address is make sure that you're not under condemnation in that area. Well, I made mistakes in my finances, and I did this and I Listen, folks, this ain't about you. You have a Savior. You have a rescuer. He rescues you. Okay, get an amen. You don't qualify it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. He just rescues you. And so the first thing, if you're, if you're dealing with an area where you don't have rest, you've got to kick the condemnation out. You've got to kick the guilt out. You've got to establish the fact that you're right with God regardless of any mistakes that you've made. And the next thing you've got to do is you've got to find in the Scriptures where your promise is at. There's all kinds of promises. And then you have to understand that that promise is yours because of Jesus. It's yours because of Jesus. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you've earned. Amen? And then, as you begin to let go and to start to trust God, you'll have peace in that situation, even when it's going contrary to the way you think, and you'll start to trust God in the situation. And listen, this is important. When you stop working, God starts. When you stop working, God starts. When you stop working, God starts. He's always trying to bring you into a Sabbath rest in your situation or your circumstance. It doesn't mean that you don't do something. I mean, David slayed the Goliath because he threw the rock and he took out the sword and cut his head off. But David was at rest when he faced Goliath because he knew he had a covenant and Goliath didn't. Everybody else was scared. David was not scared. He's like, so what does the guy get who kills this guy? What does the guy get? I mean, David knew. He's like, God's for me, man. He knew. He had a revelation of the fact that he was beloved. <clears throat> he knew he had, that God was for him. So it doesn't mean that there's an inactivity, but it means in the activity there'll be a place of rest. <coughs> Y'all tracking me here? So if you have an area of your life that you don't have rest in, just recognize I'm not trusting God in that area, and this make the appropriate changes. And when the fear tries to come in and when the anxiety comes in, go back to the fact that you're right with God and go back to the promise, whatever that is. And above all things, maintain peace. If you don't have peace, you need to, you need to, you need to bring it back. Amen? All right, cool. That's what I got for you today. So, uh, Amen. It's a good word, right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, amen. Thank you. You don't have to clap, though. But thank you. Um, all right, so we have a couple other things we need to do. Um, if, you, if you need to give an envelope this morning, lift your hand up. They'll get one to you. Uh, thank you for supporting our ministry. We appreciate that. Um, Angie, you have some announcements to, t to tell everybody. we got some things that are happening this week. So come on up here and please tell us what's going on. Well, first we have an outreach tomorrow. Yes. So that's going to be at the gathering place here in town. So uh, we encourage anyone that wishes to come out and just help us out. You know, we cook food. Uh, we cook hamburgers and hot dogs. And we usually have somebody that helps wrap those up and hands out the food. And just love on people. And it's a great fun. If you've never been, I encourage you to let tomorrow be when you start. Because it's just a great time. And we meet up there. 
different people get there at different times. So like, you know, it's after work. So like we start eating at like what, six o'clock or 6.30, something like that, six o'clock, six. So like all of those fun activities happen leading up to that. So like we may get there at 4.30, you know, and start cooking and then start wrapping up the food and then start serving at six o'clock and then just love on the people. So that is tomorrow. If you want to help out, just reach out to Jeremiah uh, and he'll let you know how you can participate in that. And then this Thursday, we have Grant preaching here on our Thursday service at 630. Uh, so come out and join us for that. And then one of my favorite activities that we do is this Friday night, we're going to have a bonfire. Do you say 730? Yes, 730. 730 here on the property. We have a, such beautiful property out here. 